This episode of Seize the Yay is brought to you by Matrix. These are the yays of our lives. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy and fulfilment along the way. It wouldn't truly be yays of our lives if I didn't get our little yay maker, Ange, to jump on for an episode. I've been getting so many lovely messages about how these tangential banter sessions have been helping you guys keep smiling during tough times. But honestly, it's more therapy for me that I just happen to have recorded. So the fact that anyone listens in and that you're enjoying it too is an absolute bonus. You may remember Ange from the very first ever episode of CCA where she interviews me to kick off the show, her own interview in episode 33, or all over my socials. I've had three messages just this week asking how my sister is, which she is not, but which you'd absolutely be forgiven for assuming. She's my mini-me best friend and has squeezed more into life at 24 than many do in a lifetime, having ridden 800 kilometres from Adelaide to Melbourne for charity for her 21st birthday, started boxing for fun only to win her first proper fight by TKO, played in the VFLW for North Melbourne, started her own creative agency, founded and sold her very own food truck business and now just happens casually to be a full-time physio at Royal Melbourne Hospital. We swing from hysterically brainless to deeply philosophical in our chats, which is one of my favourite things about our friendship and which definitely comes out in this episode today. Apologies in advance for the part that simply don't make sense to anyone else, but that we clearly find hilarious. (laughs) Again, for this one, I had no notes at all, which I'm really loving so much between our regular schedule of interviews and hope you enjoy following our crazy brains all over the place. We had just found out lockdown was extended in Victoria, so we're probably even more more random than usual, but this was an amazing circuit breaker for my energy and I hope it is for some of you too. Angie is such a ball of energy and always lifts my spirits, particularly at times like this when we need it most. So I hope you guys enjoy and sending everyone lots of love. Bimbalina, (laughs) welcome to Yays of Our Lives. I usually use people's first names, but I can't call you Ange. It's so weird when no. I call you, whenever I say Ange, like introducing you to someone else, I'm like, ew. No, it's very formal. I, I thought about the same thing. I was like, what do I call her on the podcast? Because I obviously call you Bim, <laughs> but Sarah sounds really formal. Like I don't actually know you if I call you Sarah. It sounds like acquaintances. And Bim sounds like I'm saying Bimp or something. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, it has to be Bimbolina. Ange's term of affection in varying degrees of, if you've listened to her episode, you'll already know this, but in varying degrees of affection goes from bimbo to bimby, no, bimbo to bimb to bimby to bimbolina. Yeah. And I think it's really- To bimby lala. <laughs> That's a recent one. <laughs> and it's really, because um, obviously bimbo has like negative connotations just generally, but I use it as a ter- um, term of endearment for all my friends. And I have for like a really, really long time. And it's really hard with new friends because it's so part of my lexicon that I'm like, 
bimbo and like new friends that I've had from the hospital <laughs> this year have been like sorry I'm like oh no as in it's a good thing and I'm like they're like oh, we really don't know how this could be a good thing so it's a lot of explaining <laughs> and a lot of like this is the hierarchy and it just like saying it back sounds so stupid but yes it is true bimbo is a term of endearment and I call many of my friends this I love it how it's like when you get to Bimbalina or you get to Bimbi Lala, it's like, oh my God, I've made it to the next level. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a real achievement. It's like PhD level. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of, since your episode, which was mm. not even last year, I think it was 2019, mm. was it? Yeah, I don't I even know time at the moment. I was 12, so and I'm now 13. <laughs> <laughs> now 13. And a half, and a half, don't forget the half. Ange was also on the very first ever episode of CCA and hosted my interview, which was just so special that you've been here since the very beginning when I was like, bam, bam, I've got this idea. And then you did your episode, I think, a year later, and now a year and a half later, we're back. So before we get into the episode, give us a quick rundown. You mentioned that <laughs> introducing yourself as Bimbo at the hospital. <laughs> she doesn't just hang around hospitals <laughs> just for funsies. <laughs> give us a quick update on your life since last time we checked in, which was just after Goodwill Hunting, I think. No, nah, it was a while after that. I think it was probably I was still at uni completing my first set of placement or something like that, playing VFL at the time. Yeah, that's when it was. So yes, a few last VFL. and I just, just played VFL. I'd like to preface with the fact that I probably didn't play VFL. I just was roaming around the field. I don't think you could count my career as playing. That's such a lie. You were also an AFL diversity ambassador. So Yeah, that was last year. That was, that was actually really exciting, but obviously it was paused because of COVID, which was a shame because they'd, and I just brought it back after a long hiatus. But, yeah, in that time, I've now graduated from physio. Joy to the world. Parents didn't think I'd make it. Here I am today. I graduated last December. <laughs> Started from the bottom down here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Making my Asian parents not proud. I graduated in December of last year and got a job in January of this year. And still pinch myself that I was able to in such a tough environment and quite a cutthroat process, particularly in major hospitals and being a new grad physio. And obviously I had COVID on top of that where there's not much movement and not much space for new staff. So in January at Royal Melbourne, which again, I pinch myself because it is, I think the best hospital there is. And I have loved every second of it so far. Still doing all of the creative stuff very much as an agency now. So kind of hired my first like three people at the end of last year. So not very businessy and yeah, still <laughs> doing a lot of that. <laughs> and yeah, I think that the, the, I guess they're the main things with a lot of epiphanies along the way of things that, yeah, a lot of just cognitive dissonance of where I want, what I want to do and where I want to go about them. And I'm really happy with that, where I am. So they're like the main, main things, not playing footy anymore, just because of time. Just, just one epiphany or, or many epiphanies? <laughs> many epiphanies. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. also just a gentle reminder to everyone and is only 24 years old and this is like her seventh career so far <laughs> so last time you will have heard that she had completed in that year an 800 kilometer ride for charity from adelaide to melbourne with nick and i which was just the most fun ever, 
had obviously played in the VFLW, had just become a champion boxer in the process, <laughs> has a creative agency now, but had just begun that and just is now a full-time physio working yeah. in a hospital. It's absolutely extraordinary. And you're only 24. I don't even, I can't. I did forget Soul Academy. I do have to plug Soul Academy because I think Soul Academy is awesome. Soul Academy is not, I wouldn't say part of the agency side of the social marketing. For Soul Academy, I work much more on the almost like product and growth side. And that's an eight tech company over in the US that I love dearly and I love Bo who's creating it. So I'm very much doing a small part, but it's really exciting to be in a early stage startup over there as well. So I guess that's the other thing also. And talking about the whole jigsaw puzzle of your path, yay, and has one million thousand jillion <laughs> pieces of the puzzle at any one time. So a really good example of the fact that you can find your passion in lots of different things. And we have epiphanies every single week about what we want to do and what missing pieces in our puzzle and how to get new stuff. And she's just the person in my life that really represents give things a red hot crack. You know, what does it matter if you don't do it for a career or you're not good at it? Just try everything and explore all sides of your personality because you never know what's going to stick. So it's been hard not to be able to do that together because we've had so much fun yeah. doing gymnastics and ceramics and what else have we done? So much random stuff. We've done so many random things. I, I can't remember. I just, yeah, we just sign up for like crazy travel things. Like let's just go to Tassie or let's just do a half marathon or let's just, yeah, go do ceramics, gymnastics. Just, yeah, it's just random stuff. So the cutest thing happened the other day. I'm totally dropping Pip in the shit from <laughs> House of Wellness. She's my Channel 7 producer. We I was shooting the other day and she was like, I was telling her, you know, where we've been and we have the great privilege of being able to continue to film during lockdown because it's it's broadcasting and obviously with a skeleton crew and with all safety procedures in place. But, uh, you know, we're talking about not being able to travel and the, the how difficult restriction of movement is for people who really consolidate their thoughts and who they are by getting physically out of their environment. And we we're talking about Five Acres Pillar Island, which you guys will all have seen. We've fallen in love with a, a new family who's become our extended family down there, Katie and Rom Lamaro. And uh, she was like, oh, yes, I saw that place. That's amazing. You and your sister were down there. <laughs> I was like, yep. And foot? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and foot. <laughs> the foot, my sister, sure. My child, my sister, my mum, like all the different relationships. If you had a dog every time someone said that, we'd be like $3 richer. <laughs> <laughs> we'd have like a full piggy bank by now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We should have played into it from the start and seen how long we could hold that for. Well, we haven't even been playing into it and we're still holding it. Yeah, it's like true. years later yeah, and it still true. happens all the time. We could still do it. It'd be so funny. Can you imagine? <laughs> okay, so... To the actual point, nine minutes later, what is your quote of the year for this week? Oh, I sent this to you. I've been in a quite emotional state at the minute. I'm quite philosophical and quite pensive and a little bit like <laughs> Mercury retrograde, solar eclipse, sun coming together. So there's been lots of feels. <laughs> okay, quickly for context, everyone. Ant and I are both quite similar in that we're hysterically bimbos all the time. <laughs> But then we go into really hectic, intellectual, serious, philosophical conversations about the English language and like the etymology of d different things. Semantic change. But then we're also not super woo-woo, but when we go woo-woo, it's really hardcore. So the other day she's like, hey, Bim, Bim, you've got to download this astrology <laughs> app so she could match our compatibility. <laughs> you've been so philosophical lately. I have because 
I don't know. I think lockdown five really hit me and probably a lot of people harder than the others. I really don't know why. I think it's perhaps that we were had a sense of freedom, I guess, mm. and, a, and, and a long stint of it, it felt like, you know, we had just taken off masks in the office and I thought that was a really big deal because obviously working in the hospital, we work in a lot in a multidisciplinary team and it's really hard sometimes to not be able to see the people that you work with as in see what they look like and their smiles and things like that. And I think lockdown five definitely got to me in terms of becoming not like overly down, but just really reflective of where we are at the minute. And then it became obviously very just emotional and philosophical. And yeah, so there's two. Can I do two? Is that allowed? Absolutely. The more the merrier. And I also love how one is like, a beautiful quote, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, absolutely love. The other is like an essay. I'm like, how am I going to fit that into the title of the episode? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the first one is don't be afraid of death, Winnie. Be afraid of the unlived life. And I'm assuming that's a Winnie the Pooh quote, but I this weird non-fear of death, and it's not in a morbid way, but it's more so that I think it's inevitable that obviously time is limited for all of us but the fear or sadness is when you don't live the life to the fullest like the things that you can control i.e your life and then there's the things you can't control i.e one day it's not going to be present anymore to not live the fullest i guess scares me like i just want to be able to make the most out of life and the people around me and moments and laughter and joy and sadness even and anger and all of the feelings that you could possibly feel because that is living mm. it yeah it makes me really sad to think that some people aren't living their life to the fullest because one day we probably we're not going to have it anymore so yeah so don't be afraid of death Winnie be afraid of the unlived life I think that's such a beautiful one it's very CZA the idea of don't just be on that autopilot mode with that momentum and relentless forward motion you can end up like decades and decades down a path that you didn't really ever choose not having ever really experienced what else is out there for you so I I love that one and I think it's true like it's a fine line on a show that's about joy where the role of things like mortality and sadness and challenge and trauma fit but I think any theory of joy and happiness has to acknowledge them somehow and find a way to use those concepts to remind you even more so of the importance of the role of joy. Yeah. And that, you know, that's why I think your philosophy of red hot crack is so important because it's like, what's the quote? I think it's Einstein. Maybe it was Einstein. You only live once, but if you live well, once is enough. I think that's really lovely. You know me well enough to know that I always have always lived by that motto. And the thing they always say is if you died tomorrow, would you be content with the life you live today? And that's pretty much how I live mine in that that whole like no regrets kind of living and seizing any opportunity that, that you want and you feel like an urge to do, to just do it because there's no harm ever in trying. Uh, it just make you more of a, a fulfilled person when you get to it. I think something that we learned in year 12 in like this is ages ago in health and human development, I think what I remember it and it stuck with me for a really long time is that when older people get old, they become just depressed by the situation that they're in because their partners die. There's that sense of loneliness. They reflect on their life and the reflection is of how content and fulfilled they feel their lives were and are. And if you're not really fulfilled, then it's really hard to change that. It's kind of like, you know, I wish I went for that job when I was 25. You can't really do that when you're 85. So to be able to do it while you're then in there and kind of 
preempt mm. the future of being reflective, then hopefully by that point you are really content with your life and you're really happy with the decisions that you made and you live this like no regrets kind of life, even though not everything has to go to plan, like sometimes you fail at things, but that doesn't really matter at all. It's about giving it a crack. And then that is still fulfillment. Even if it's not a success, it's mm. still fulfilling, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I think you probably heard me talk about how my decision-making has changed from like obviously making decisions in the now and being really spontaneous is really important, but I also why I agonize so much at the point of making decisions about things is because I'm doing future regret management. I'm always thinking, what will future me regret and what can I do to avoid that feeling? So you're right. Like even if it doesn't turn out well, I always look back and think, but I still wouldn't have made a different decision. Therefore, I'm okay with the fact that it didn't go well because I don't regret that I didn't try. And, you know, that other, it's corny, but that other quote of like, I'd rather a life of oh wells rather than what ifs. It's so true. At least oh well is, oh well, it didn't work, but I never die wondering. It's that wondering of like what could have been that I think people end up so disappointed in. Just don't let yourself feel that by just trying. And I guess it's some it's somewhat privileged thing to say right now in this environment where people are quite restricted and you can't really go and chase your dreams. But just even day to day decisions that you make, you know, do I go and hang out with my friends or do I not? All those things can still bring fulfillment in smaller ways. It doesn't have to be a really grand goal or anything like that. So I know I'm just I'm a big live your life to the fullest half half um, cup half full kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> cup liquid stuff in their thing person. Diffusion <laughs> osmosis plus plus. <laughs> <laughs> we have like our own little language that is not very discernible from the outside. It's <laughs> like, how are we going to talk like normal people today? <laughs> but do you think that because of this, I personally think it, that even though I'm already, I have quite an appetite for trying new things, this restriction of movement has meant that the periods in between, I'm even more like, I have to use these moments because you never know when you won't have them again. I've become almost reckless in my desire to just make the most of everything. Like I've just found it really invigorating, even though you wouldn't wish it. You wouldn't wish the realization to have to happen that way. But sometimes you realize how much you did take your freedom before for granted, and just expected you'd always be able to do things. Yeah, I love loose Sarah. You <laughs> reckless. You. <laughs> What's your second quote, Bim? You had another really long. Yeah, one. my second quote is a longer one. But it's more about the idea of it and the concept behind it. And as I think I articulated, it's a really nice storytelling way. I saw it on Instagram today. So it's my pin number to this day is my second grade best friend's birthday. There are people I don't talk to anymore whose families are still in my prayers. There are shirts I wear to bed from exes of eight years ago who are married now with kids. And I haven't found a macaroni salad recipe better than my college boyfriend's mum's. Our lives are made up of so many people and when people become part of our lives, some parts remain long after they leave. And in the same exact way, it's comforting to know that there are so many lives you're still a part of that you have no idea about. And I think that... That's such a beautiful one. Yeah, I love this one a lot. And when I said at the start, I've become a a bit more emotional. I don't think it's so much emotional, but it's reflective and immensely grateful in this time and particularly around my people. I am a big believer that everyone that comes into your life shapes you to who you are despite how long they are there for we were talking about this in Philip Island and I was quite 
like profound about it only because I was really grateful that there's people that you meet and it could be when you were two to yesterday and they may have just been a fleeting, you know, person in your life that kind of just walks past, but they leave a, a big enough impact to help you mm. make decisions in future or shape you who, who you are. And I don't think people have to be in your life forever to be in your story forever. So that one I really loved. And so, yeah, yes. I think just this last period and these last few weeks, I've been even more grateful for the people around me and the people that I have met previously around the world. And I mm. have this burning urge to have to let them know as well. So I think it's, I've just in the last few weeks, I've just been very forward and out with, with all my friends and the people that I love and hope, making sure that, they know that they're appreciated or loved and, yeah, and really, uh, profound I guess oh I love that Bim I think it's so interesting how the way that conversations have unraveled on this podcast certain themes seem to come up at the time that everyone needs to hear them or needs to be reminded of them and this week's episode literally that came out two days ago and that was recorded like three days ago with Sophie Keisha she said exactly the same thing was literally talking about the exact concept of people being part of your story but they don't have to stay in your life to always be part of your story and she was talking in the context of relationships how she's just released her first book and so much of it is about the people that were only there for a chapter but that have stayed with her forever and it's so weird that like two days later we're talking about the exact same thing that's crazy like when I feel things deeply I feel things pretty deeply and this is something that I've just overwhelmingly felt just every day it's kind of like I think you know how people say create a gratitude journal and write five things I'm grateful for I genuinely can't do that because I can't just write a sentence of like it'd be the same thing every day it'd be like house family food water uh, job whereas being grateful morning poo (laughs) three of them actually being more specific (laughs) (laughs) we've made it a really long way in without you mentioning poo once I'm so proud of you you know, I was holding my tongue a lot for you. I was like, I'll be professional. <laughs> She's grown I'll up, guys. She's grown up since last episode. <laughs> but no, I think gratitude for me has gotten me through the lockdown blues. Mm. In a really, it sounds really cliche because everyone's like, oh, be grateful for the things that you have. And I think lockdown five, I was like, I, I'm kind of sick of the be grateful for everything that you have now because I've tried to do that for the last four lockdowns and and it kind of just becomes mm. really dry and you're like okay then I'm already grateful and then I have to be proactively grateful because that's how you get through these things and stuff like that but this one being grateful yeah. for people is really different because it's you're grateful for people in different ways and therefore the gratitude is felt and expressed differently and so it just feels novel and different rather than just being grateful for your job your house your water you know mum dad and things like that it's like I'm grateful for Sarah because she has been a mentor for me and a sister to me and protective figure and I'm supportive one for all these years. So I'm grateful for Nick because he's shown me how to give generously and genuinely without anything in return. And I'm grateful for, you know, the patient that, that I had yesterday who showed me what it's like to be resilient in a really tough time in their life kind of thing. So you get to kind of be grateful, but it feels refreshed if that if that makes sense in this lockdown. I think that's such a good point too. You really represent to me what I think so many people have gone through, that we are all being a little bit more pensive and reflective and analysing and cleaning the slate in our life, which is amazing. I mean, it's wonderful that that's an exercise people are allowing themselves to do for the first time in so long. But five and now six 
plus plus <laughs> extended lockdowns in, you're right. The messages that you've been saying for five, six times now of I'm grateful every day, like you can't feel grateful every day. It's kind of shit. Like there are days where it becomes dry. Yeah, where that feels artificial to say, even of course you're grateful, but like you can't feel that every day in a way that removes the disappointment or the loss of hope or expectation or joy or whatever it is. But I think finding new ways to express it is so clever. And you've been doing a beautiful little project that I love. If maybe you want to share it, you don't have to, but I think people are probably looking for ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always been a people person. I've always been as someone that struggles to show gratitude, not because I can't show up because I just don't know how to show enough, particularly to people when they have made an impact in my life. I want to show how much they have. And so I try to be grateful and I'm a serial gift giver and I'm serial like acts of service and words of affirmations kind of person. And I never, ever feel like it's ever enough. So I started this book, a diary, and I've been journaling a lot. That's been something that's helped in lockdown, a lot of journaling. And this one is very themed and it's about the people that have shaped me to who I am today. I've just read it here. I'm just going to read it out. This is the, this is the title. This says, this book is dedicated to the people I've met, the people I love and the people who have shaped me to who I am and will become. And it's essentially just, on the day, whoever I feel grateful for, whoever I've met that's made left an impact that like I genuinely feel has, I just write about and I write quite truthfully and raw, in a raw way, and in a way that I would want them to hear this also and I would happily share this with them when the day comes or when I feel like mm. they need a little bit of love or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm just going to read the first page. I think yeah, that is it. probably the best way to express what it's about. Also, I just want to just put a disclaimer I had a procedure this morning and I had to be sedated so I feel like I'm coming off a high so if I'm really philosophical I feel like this is what what it would be if I were ever on drugs so just this is why we recorded now because I was like (laughs) we have just heard literally half an hour ago that our lockdown is being extended and is high this is a great time to create some joy for everyone for next Monday. Guys, if I, if I ever run mushies, this is what it'd be like. Oh. <laughs> if, if ever. Okay. Um, if ever. <laughs> okay, this is what I wrote. This is my first entry. I appreciate that I'm 24 and a half almost. Tomorrow marks my half birthday. Not like anyone's counting. Half exclamation mark. And I've met hundreds of people that have had a lasting impact on me and who I've become. I don't believe that the people that help shape you necessarily have to be in your life for a lifetime, but I do believe they remain in your story forever. They may have had an impact at the time and you may have changed as a person since, but that doesn't discount their part in your never-ending and continually evolving story. I've been incredibly lucky to have met some of the most amazing humans in my life who have also taught me significant lessons by just being them who have changed my outlook in life and bedded me without realising they did. This is to be a tribute to all the people that I've met and continue to meet. It is in no order other than the order of when I'm feeling grateful for them. There will be double ups, but that will be determined on who on that day I feel most grateful for. So here's to the people I love and will be forever indebted to. Oh, Bim, it's so beautiful. But also it is in a particular order because I'm first. <laughs> I'm t- just when saying. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, but I also wrote it's in no particular order. I'm like, well, obviously it is. <laughs> just saying. And I was like, you are a person. So I was like, am I doubled up yet? I was like, in two days, relax. 
But yes. <laughs> but you know, like something I really believe is that the quickest way to make your own day if you're having a shit day is try really, really hard to make someone else's. And like the response yeah. you get from just giving someone a compliment or writing a little love letter to the people who you appreciate, but it's unsolicited. It's not because it's their birthday or it's not because it's, you know, there's no reason. That makes you feel better as much as it makes them feel better. So it's the easiest thing you can do when you're sitting in your room in lockdown with nothing else to do, right? Love letters. It generally is like a big serotonin. That's the joke, right? <laughs> I don't know. You're the expert. <laughs> big mushroom dump. <laughs> I just feel like I'm in a mushroom, inside a big fluffy mushroom. No, I think it, it genuinely does. You know, like running gives you endorphins and all those like things that just automatically happen. It just brings you actually a really good feel good moment when you're able to express mm. your gratitude to someone else. And I think we should probably start to remove the stigma or the weirdness around telling your friends they love you and mm. like just genuinely being like, how are you? And wanting an elaborate response rather than just, oh, good, how are you kind of thing. You know me, Boom. I've sent you like these long ass love letters of like, <laughs> I love you so much and you're my best friend and please be me my best friend forever. My best and- friend forever. We're best friends forever. Where did best friends forever come from? I don't know, probably from our lack of. <laughs> <laughs> it was aspirational. Yeah. <laughs> we're manifesting now that we're so woo-woo. <laughs> Just a quick break to give one of our amazing partners in Yay, Matrix, a little shout out and a very big thank you for making this episode possible. You may have seen some fabulous, very fun and colourful content coming out of our photo shoot from earlier in the year. Yep, that one where I got bangs, <laughs> which kicked off this heritage brand's groundbreaking brand refresh and relaunch to better embrace beauty and of course hair of all kinds. I'm so, so thrilled to join fellow ambassadors, Rachel Sarah, who you'll be hearing from Jess Vandelay and AJ Clementine on the Matrix Australia squad, particularly since we all share a common experience for unique reasons of feeling unrepresented in the beauty industry. It is so exciting to see the gradual shift towards diversity and inclusion in beauty, media and all kinds of industries. With these values underlying the relaunched brand, I'm even more in love with the product range that offers something for every hair need. I mean, just look at the four of us and how different our hair is to each other. It's available in Matrix salons and online. My hot tip, the Total Results Miracle Creator Spray. It's a 20-in-1 covering just about everything I've ever wanted for my hair, but compatibly with my on-the-go jam-packed lifestyle. I'll pop the link in the show notes. You are welcome. And I think the other thing, I think we're both really lighthearted and positivity panda we get really heavy and deep philosophical sometimes we just look at the stars for hours and hours and talk about the meaning of life but we also get triggered by really emotional things like so triggered by beautiful stories and feel good moments and the other thing you can do as a recommendation is to go and find beautiful stories in the neighborhood which is obviously why neighborhood watch is something that i committed to to share good stories with you guys to compete with such negative news that's out there, but also because it makes my day to go and find beautiful things that are happening, even on a really, really small scale, and just make them 
well known. So is there anything you've seen over the past couple of weeks that's really made you smile or like Ange calls it heart poke, which is so, now I don't know that there's another, I can't think of any other words that describe it, but when something just pokes your heart because it's so beautiful. It pokes my heart. I live with my two grandmas, well, Benoit and her sister, but Judy's been stuck here for a while. So they just provide immense amounts of joy because they're just so funny and random. But there's definitely a patient that I had earlier this year that I always reflect on because they were just honestly you would froth them they were the best patient ever they were like 92 or something and they'd just come on and I was doing home visits but this patient had skydived at 85 with their grandson (gasps) and they were like I just I just want to live to 100 and they did this thing with their hands that was so like old person thing and they're like you know can you just show me how you get out of bed and they'd stand up and they'd go ta-da and I was like I just can't do it with you and just you know their goal was to live to 100 and they were just that was their goal I just want to live for 100 and I walk every day and I go over this ramp you know I I skydived when I was 85 and I walked the Kokoda and I ran a marathon and oh my god it was just this person just full of life and just so happy and yeah, he was just such a go-getter. And to be at that age, I, I was like, I want to be you at that age, you know. Imagine an 85-year-old jumping out of an aeroplane with his grandsons, just like just really full of life and just bubbly guy. And I, yeah. That's going to be you. for walks often. <laughs> You're going to be <laughs> that, that like 99-year-old who's like at a freaking no lights, no lycra disco party <laughs> like, <laughs> in a morph suit. <laughs> no lights, no like. One thing I love about you, though, and that's been since we met, is that you are so indiscriminate about age, which is not common. There is a lot of subtle ageism, even in the fact that the beauty industry and the cosmetic beauty industry and like even health and wellness is subtly based on avoiding aging, I feel. Like there's such a negative connotation in Western society, at least, about age. And I know that you love Diana's episode because she, for me, was the turning point moment of not worrying about age. Like age is relative. You can see a 60-year-old and another 60-year-old who look like they're three decades apart because their mindset is one is age is negative and one is just embracing it as experience. And she swam from Cuba to Florida at the age of 65 and just continued. She's 72 now and still is one of the youngest-minded people that I know. And it's so interesting. It's such a good example to hear from people who don't treat age as a negative thing because it makes you excited about getting older and getting more experience under your belt. I think it's such a mindset. Yeah. I think it's like almost like a social construct, to be honest. I think I said this to someone the other day who was a bit like, oh, you don't count birthdays after you're 30. And I was like, why not? It's awesome. Like, I think there's a quote in your books where it's... because I have no memory, that's why. You know I don't know how old I am. <laughs> I had to Google it. Remember in Philip Island, I was like, 1989, how? Oh, one, two, three. No, I couldn't do it. It's not because I'm neg- I think age is negative. It's because I'm just silly. It's just, well, it just like, it, it genuinely does not bother me. I don't think it defines anyone at all. I think it's... I couldn't tell you how old any of my friends were or are. It's just pure connection. I feel like if you restrict who you're going to connect to and who you want to be friends with, it's just because of an age. Or mm. It's a it's quite a judgmental thing. It's a bit like racing things. 
but people don't obviously think about it. I would absolutely, if I had a best friend who was 65 like yourself, I wouldn't care me, at all. Yep. I mean, it, just, it just doesn't bother me. Like I have a lot of friends who are a lot older, but I, I genuinely don't think about that ever in my life until it's put down as a number. But even mm. then, it, it doesn't change any anything for me. I just feel like if you just connect with someone, you connect with someone regardless. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. And also people in different stages of their life can teach you so many things. I feel that's what makes me much more open-minded is that I can have friends that are a lot older and then my, my age and then, you know, have cousins who are a lot younger and see the whole spectrum and how life changes and evolves and looks different in each time and then obviously being on the ward I'm doing a lot of with a lot of gym patients at the minute who are 65 and above you know some like 90 and 99 and 100 and you just see them and you're like you're amazing you're here and you're Mm. pushing through and it's awesome amazing oh that's beautiful bim I found a couple of things that, so we are also hectically into the Olympics. Like we've all just had this group message thread about the most beautiful things that have come out of the Olympics. And I think not only is it because you and Nick are obsessed with sport and I get triggered by humanity, I think it's mainly because of the human stories that come out of it more than anything. And there's been so many beautiful things that came out of the Olympics, even if it wasn't necessarily the Olympics everyone had hoped for. I still think it brought so much joy. And I've shared a couple from the last Yays of Our Lives episode, but another one that came out since then was the decathlon where two Aussies, (laughs) if you guys haven't heard of it, it's such a beautiful story. So Cedric Dubler was running alongside another Australian, Ash Maloney, and Ash was running a lot further ahead. He had a better chance at meddling in the race and Cedric sacrificed his race to help Maloney, who was starting to flag, get across and win a bronze. And it is just like, go and read the articles, watch the videos. It's just one of the most beautiful, like, you know, I always say that quote about success doesn't halve when you share it, it doubles. And like competition is important. Obviously in the Olympics, you're literally, it's a, it's the definition of a competition. But to see someone who spent his whole life trying to get there and acknowledge that his race was maybe over, but his teammate could get there with a little bit of support. Like Ash kept saying that Cedric would come over and was just all he could hear was him screaming in his face. I keep going. And it was like, what are you doing here, man? Like, yeah, that's you and me. It was just such a beautiful story. I thought that was a really nice one. No, I I loved that one. Yeah, a lot. I also found a random, see, these are what, this is what makes me happy about this section. It makes me go and look for nice stories. There's a removalist company in Melbourne uh, that's helping LGBTQIA plus Melburnians move house safely without any discrimination and like in a really safe environment called Queer Move. I think that is so lovely. I hadn't heard of it, but I can imagine that there would be instances where couples feel really persecuted or uncomfortable to let people into their house. A moving house is such an intimate thing to do. And there is, I mean, as much as society is evolving a lot, there are pockets of society where there is still so much discrimination because of gender, everything, really. Race, as you mentioned before, gender, sexual preference, all kinds of identifications. So I thought this was really beautiful that Queer Move was a service that's come to life because of concern. Isn't that so cool? I love that. I'm so such a, like, equity advocate I love that a lot that's so awesome you know those things that you just say and you're yeah. like I love that someone did that it's because people were having bad experiences so someone just was like enough of this we're gonna make queer move and we're gonna move people okay I've got Do you have your hand one. up yeah I've got my hand I just do you legitimately have your hand up right now <laughs> I just 
I love how I talk so much. You have to put your hand up. Oh my God, I'm no, so I, didn't sorry. Want, I just didn't want to interrupt, but I thought of a really good one for. Oh, go. Yeah. So, so my friend messaged me this article the other day in the Guardian of this invention that Japanese people have made for when they give birth. <laughs> Did I send it to you? No, but oh okay. my God, I love Japanese inventions for things that we okay. all want. We all laugh no, at, but we all want them. This is amazing. You're so. For people that are giving birth and want their friends to meet their baby, obviously kind of locked down, this company have set up a gift business where you you send them a sack of rice in the weight that the baby is with a picture of their face <laughs> on it. Amazing. <laughs> so they can hold your baby for the I love Japan so much. There's an amazing, amazing BuzzFeed article of all the inventions that have come out of Japan that we all think are hysterically silly but then all want them because they're amazing. Like the one with the toilet paper on your head. That's my favourite one. Yeah, or the noodle splash to like the face mask thing that protects your hair from noodle splash. Oh, my God, stop. (laughs) Is that a bow for a girl one? It's, a girl bag of rice? No, so it's a girl, but they put the baby's face on it. So it's, <laughs> That's and it's so the creepy. same weight as what the baby is. <laughs> so the so creepy, but so it. clever. <laughs> I was like, it's kind of hilarious, but also the cutest thing ever. Can you imagine sending around bags of rice when you just give oh birth? Oh, my it's God. Amazing. And then they can eat the rice after. That's so practical. That's what I said. I was like, so I would like that present. Exactly. I would love that present. Well... Yeah, no, I think I would. <laughs> like, I'd probably like to meet the child, but also free bag of rice. Yeah, I'd prefer, I'd prefer the child. But then you also can eat the rice, so that's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quickly, though, what's your quote? Oh, no, you choose the quote. You no, choose no, the but, quote. But what is your quote? I don't right pick now? a quote. Oh, that's a good question. You don't get to pick a quote, but you don't, like, it's, it's nice for people to also know what, where you are. <laughs> yeah, I think. Probably every day may not be good, but there's something good in every day. I think we've been in a 18 to 24 month period now where big chunks of it have not really been how we had hoped and are full of disappointment and loss of expectation. And from big things like weddings and funerals to smaller things like birthdays or just milestones and having just spent most of my last five years really drilling the importance of celebrating things and smelling the roses. You know, I feel like I just got to making time for that in my life and then suddenly the ability to do it was suddenly gone unexpectedly. It's been really hard to cultivate alternatives to that, ways to celebrate or to celebrate in a way that keeps you motivated to keep doing what you do. It's Nick's birthday on Friday and we'd had, you know, a really cute weekend planned and it's really hard to sort of figure out how to acknowledge things like that and create little moments of joy, particularly when you work together and live together. But I think that quote helps me be okay that even as a positivity panda, not every day feels good. In fact, a lot of days have felt really hard. Anxiety is at an all-time high, but also fatigue. Like I'm generally sometimes not sure if I'm tired because I'm anxious, if I'm tired because I've overdone it, if I'm tired because... I've had chronic fatigue in the past and it's just a relapse or if it's just because there's so much going on in the brain all the time. Yeah. But I think if you commit to at least finding one good thing in every day, it doesn't mean you have to feel grateful for everything, like roof over my head, walk, you know, moving yeah. limbs. Like that's really important. Of course I'm grateful for those things. But to consciously find a new thing 
that is good about that day, even like this conversation or a joke that makes you laugh, you know, those small things. I don't even know how I could explain that to people in a way that they'd understand. I'm sorry. <laughs> like that. Okay, so we both studied Japanese at school. And <laughs> you can't explain it. It's just what makes sense to anyone. I can't. No, I know. I'm even looking at the title of what I made this call. What I named it. Australia. <laughs> Essentially, we just, we just love the Japanese language and we love katakana and turn these like Western words into Japanese by just with the katakana. So, like, ice cream is aisukurimaru. And in, in, <laughs> Australia in, is Australia. Yeah, and we got into this weird fit of adding furu to everything because it's kind of funny <gasps> like sound to it. So anyway, we digress. But I did want to say that your whole thing of finding something that you're grateful for and celebrating things, even small things, I think you're one of the best people that I know or have taught me this is how you celebrate other people and somehow yeah. as tired as you ever can be or ever are, you have always been able to celebrate me or your friends or Nick really wholeheartedly and really genuinely. So I don't know if that's because you just thrive off the energy and get that endorphin or serotonin hit from celebrating other people, but somehow you still seem to do it so well. So I don't know. I think people can try practicing that as well, celebrating other people and other people's wins. Aww, like just before this call, babe. I had a call from a friend who had got a, her dream job and I was like elated, like, to the point where I was like, is this the sedatives or is this um, what it actually feels like? So that was just like, yeah. that whole doubt kills more, dreams than fate ever will came into play. It's just that there's a lot of quotes floating around at the minute. But, um, yeah. yeah. But they all mean something, I think. And, I mean, you know that the podcast for me twice a week like most of the time there's two guests, sometimes there's only one, but at least once a week, maybe twice to get to celebrate someone else's story and what they're doing, particularly if they're someone I've followed since they hadn't hit the dreams that they maybe have since then. Like all those things, I almost get more excited. Like when Sophie announced her book, she was posting the post, the announcement post while we were recording and my face is more squished than her face. <laughs> like I was so excited. We're not even really close friends. Like I just get so excited for other people and I think we all do really. We all love to celebrate the people we love doing really well but focusing on that and like spending a little moment to get lost in that, it makes your day better. But also allowing myself to be like the day overall might not have been a good day. It doesn't have to be, even as a positive person. Like my identity is really tied up in being positive and seeing the silver linings and lifting up others and finding the yay. But if I only find five minutes of yay in one day, that doesn't matter. The rest of the day is allowed to feel yuck. And that's been something I've had to allow myself to do as well because otherwise you're masking and then that's why you're tired because you're putting on joy because you feel like you should and like it's this vicious cycle. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why I keep saying in all my posts as well, like be gentle on yourself. If you mm -hmm. feel weird and you're having a weird reaction and you're tired or you're run down or you're whatever and you don't know why and you're like nothing big has really happened, two years of big has happened. So if you feel weird on a particular day, that's probably why. Don't overthink it but also don't try and push it away. Yeah. You'll find one moment of joy that day and that's enough. If that's all you did, that's totally fine. But even if you don't feel joy on that day, that's okay too. Yeah. It's okay. I think this is like the prime time of the whole it's okay to be emotional or have feelings or feel a lot or feel too much. I don't think there's such a thing of feeling too much. But I think if you, mm. you know, if you, I sent you a whole text message of saying all the reasons why I love you, I 
I'd hope that 10 minutes after I didn't regret that because I found, oh, I was like, that was clingy or too attached or whatever that is. I think it's okay. Stage five clear. <laughs> Which I'm actually not ashamed of being if that's what, like, it genuinely doesn't bother me if it means that mm. if I die tomorrow and they know that they were truly loved by me and all the feelings that I had towards them and how much, how grateful that I am. I couldn't care less what people thought of me or the perception that people had of me. If it meant that I genuinely, they felt loved, they felt like they were, mm. they belonged in somewhere and they felt, you know, they were seen and that's all that matters really at the end of the day. So I know gratitude's yeah, really big totally. that. I know, that was all, sorry. <laughs> footer. Footer. Sign out of footer. That's <laughs> <laughs> just so, so we literally spent 40 minutes. <laughs> 40 minutes I was on the floor, on the floor. <laughs> and we were. just kept saying words back and forth to each other. Like I was dead sober and just could not contain myself. It was just so funny. I was so – that was a moment. At the end of the day in my gratitude journal, I was like, that moment. It was just so funny. Ice cream furu made me laugh for like eight hours. We were just like – it was like – Delirious. You and your best mates just get into a – yeah, delirium moments. You're just in hysterics for absolutely – seriously no reason. Like – in hindsight, when, I reckon when we listen to this back and listen to the explanation of why we think it's so funny. But it won't like, be funny at all. That's not even funny in one little bit, but somehow, like Sarah's <laughs> named this link. She sent me this link for this thing and it says, you know, <laughs> forward slash CZA, forward slash also to radio, furu. That's what we said. <laughs> Listen to you explaining it this time. I was like, wow, it's really not that funny. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> anyway, Bim, your recommendation for this week, book, movie, show, YouTube clip, TikTok reel, anything that made you smile other than having a colonoscopy this morning. <laughs> <laughs> we always made it through the whole thing without actually saying what the procedure was. You know how, how, conserved, how conservative I was? I was like... I had a oh, procedure, I had a this, procedure morning. this morning. No. She had a nose job. She had a boob job. That's why we called breast friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually vlogged my colonoscopy prep because it was just Shut that up. mental. It was so, I was only doing it about 20 times. No kidding. It's really, it's actually How many fun. vlogs have you done that you've never released to the universe? Oh, you vlog I, everything and then I you do. just don't edit them. <laughs> I have so much fun. If I could, I, if I, I said to you, if I could quit and just do one thing, like my job and do one thing forever, I would just want to storytell and create videos to storytell for the rest of my life. I just love it so much. Mm. But anyway, sorry, books. I've already just started reading again. And I say again, but I just started reading ever. So reading educated at the moment, I'm about 17 pages in. So one page more than I was from Philip Pilot. It's so good. I was going to say you won't be able to put it down. You've put it down like more times than you've picked it up, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brilliant, brilliant book. A friend has got me into the office. I think I'm a little <gasps> bit late to You're the finally... party. Oh my god, <laughs> she's finally there. Oh, so funny. Yeah, so Too funny. The office, and I've reinvigorated my love for Friends. Yes, me too. And... Went back to the start. So good. Yeah, and I really love. And there's this comedian who's on like, I just find her hilarious. She just pops up to my feed sometimes, and everything that comes out of her mouth is just so good. Melanie, and I forget her last name, but she's from New Zealand. And she's on, what's that TV show on Monday nights? That's really funny that Sam Pang's in it. How, Bim, you know it. You know it. <laughs> I don't know. Ed, Ed Cavalier's on it. I don't watch it. Free to Air, you know this. How? We'll Google it and put it in the show notes. <laughs> oh, anyway, she's got a new show, also Cheap Seats, and that just comes up on my um, 
fade sometimes, but her name is Melanie something. I'm really not plugging this very well. Anyway, she's <laughs> no, like, amazing. <laughs> she, she's the one that did the Jacinda Ardern impersonations. Oh, she's hilarious. Yeah, okay. Like you got to follow her, you got to find her. She does it really, really well. And then the last one is Grey and Mama. You have to What's follow Grey and Mama. Mama. It's this little Vietnamese boy, like toddler in the US. <gasps> I just love him to bits. He makes me very, very happy. Grey and Mama on Instagram, follow or TikTok, okay. follow him. He's got okay. these chubby cheeks and bowl haircut. And oh, he just loves food to the moon and back. And he has these videos where he always says thank you. He's really, really polite. He's got really amazing manners. And he always says thank you, Mama, when she gives him food. And she does this compilation <gasps> so of like cute. 50 times he, he goes and collects his food and he goes, thank you, Mama. Thank you, Mama. Thank you. And he's got these oh big God. cheeks and it's like waffles or pancakes or grape or like he's like, thank you, Mama. It's just honestly, you, I love it. It's, it makes me, it's a heart poke page so those are my recommendations oh my god so cute oh I love them I only have one to add to that which is similar it's like a TikTok account that's also on Instagram that just makes me so happy like it's just cute and happy there's a guy called is it KB or Kabi oh is he the yeah (laughs) (laughs) so he's a 21 year old from Senegal who lives in Italy and he's just basically started this random account I think when he was when he lost his job last year and he does these like short skits where he just sarcastically points out to people doing really simple tasks like for example how America spent like two billion dollars making a pen that would write in space and the Russians were just like just use a pencil like that kind of thing where people do really simple tasks but make them really complicated and then he doesn't even speak in the videos he just does this like cute little face about it <laughs> and it's got like like he's worth nearly two million dollars now and he's the second most followed TikTok account he's in so the funny. world. It's amazing. He yeah, lost his job funny. and now he's like a millionaire. I rate him. I'm going to be like Yeah, him. he's great. He's great. I remember the name. I looked it up. Melanie Bracewell. Oh, amazing. And the show is that she is sometimes on is Have You Been Paying Attention? Have You Been Paying Attention? I said the attention one. Oh. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, the what? attention one. <laughs> <laughs> the attention one. Oh, I got gotcha. Yeah, that one. That one. Usually you would know. You know Sarah speaks, Sarah knees. No, we normally are. But remember, I'm high. That's true. So That's true. This is basically I'm Joe Rogan, sedatives. guys. This is basically an episode <laughs> yeah. of Joe Rogan. <laughs> anyway, Bim, thank you so much for joining. This was an absolute yay of my life. Oh, no. Oh, no. We, all, we always got there. <laughs> we did. <laughs> thanks welcome. so much, Bim. Hopefully see you soon. No, thanks for having me. Miss you.